nonsense three two one go and we're live almost missed it wasn't our fault but what about ai though right because you didn't see the title of this video what about ai though wait 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 what about ai though it's a good question it's an easy question to ask and the more you spend time thinking about AI, the more, I guess it doesn't actually keep coming up in the background. It feels like something you should be asking, but the more time you spend thinking about AI, the more I think you get dragged down into these warrens, these roots of trees, these, these warrens. But what about AI? This is Retrace segment number 50 for Monday, November 14th, 2022, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, 4 a.m. in London, 12 noon in Beijing still, 3 p.m. in Sydney. Retrace is about what's going on out there. I think it covered everything. And you'll be surprised to learn that today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. I did not realize until I went through the old segments today in preparation for today's segment we have actually, in fact, talked about, in fact, actually, artificial intelligence, actually, already. Once or twice. I can't believe how much we've talked about it. I mean, I've always known that it was going to be at the core of this. It was going to be, it might even become the core of this, of retrace. Because it's, isn't it becoming the core of everything I know a skeptic or an outsider, like a true outsider to AI, someone who's never really spent a lot of time thinking about it, hears that and thinks, no, AI is not becoming the core of everything. I can list all of my things and it is not in any of them. But you don't know me. I have been known at parties once to be asked the question, what does AI have to do with this thing? And to come back with a pretty convincing answer. Once or twice or three times at parties, like I go to parties. Used to. Wished, wish I could. Oh, parties. They're a lot and they're nothing. AI is at parties. Well, first of all, it's in all the phones. Ooh, I set myself up here, didn't I? Is AI at parties? Well, in music. No, <laughs> it's not in the music. There are, there's AI that makes music, but I'm not sure any of it's getting played yet, getting, getting in a lot of rotation. Um, humans are still pretty good at that, comparatively. Although, I mean, you see these Dolly 2 and, and what's the other one? These image, you know, the text input, image output AIs. That'll be music soon. It might be... John Cage-style, freaky, blow-your-mind music. It will be music. I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure someone's already found a way to take text input and output art, artificial intelligence, artificially, artificial intelligence written music, artificially intelligent written music. In fact, I think that's like, isn't that the thing that Ray Kurzweil did? Like, the first thing he did when he was a teenager was he, he wrote a computer program that would write music. I digress. What about AI, though? 
so first we'll talk about that question and then we'll talk about what AI is because, because, because I'm in charge and that's what we're going to do. Look, I think when you ask the question, what about AI though, you're, you're really asking a question, like a three dimensional question. It's like you take a thing, parties, let's, let's stick with parties. Let's challenge ourselves. I don't think parties are the best example. That's why we're going to stick to it because if this is really anything, then it should be able to handle this um, curveball I've thrown myself that I wish I hadn't thrown. The first dimension is better or worse. What about AI, though? It kind of implies, like, oh, we're talking about parties. Well, are they going to make parties better? Are they going to make them, Is AI going to make parties better, or, or is AI going to make them worse? You know? Well, parties, I love parties. You know, we go to parties, it's so good, right? And I'm just I'm voicing some... I, I abstract person this is not this is not the inner me coming out trust me um i'm more of a wallflower myself at parties i guess unfortunately ai and parties the music yeah this is not really in the party i mean the music is part of it but you could play a lot of stuff and the party is still going to have its essence and honestly ai is more likely more likely to screw up the music screw up the party via music than than anything else right now but is it going to make the party better or worse ai infused parties i can imagine a dystopia and i could probably imagine a utopia well here's the thing one of the one of the trick answers to an ai question you know how is ai going to affect this thing is the the first trick and you know i didn't realize this was a trick until i used it but it, it's it's to say well, AI will know your preferences. It'll know your preferences better than you know your preferences. You know, the machines, the algorithms, the combination of hardware, software, and the controllers are coming to know us better than we know ourselves. It'll know you better than you know yourself at the party. I mean, you can imagine, like, people getting together. AI helping with that nudging i tell you if i had had an ai i'm so excited about this i almost blew out the microphone calm down everybody if i had had an ai in middle school or high school or even college they could have told me when the girl liked me and also when she didn't just as important that would have been awesome right i mean the AI could, like, you've got your hunch, they've got their hunch, or they're not paying attention to you. You're misreading the cues. Whatever the situation, if, if AI knows us better than we know ourselves, and it doesn't have to have, like, a bunch, it doesn't have to have a dossier on you as an individual, or, you know, the, your target of interest as an individual, we all have sort of the same facial expressions, micro-expressions. It's not like each one of us invents our own smile, or wink and a nod <laughs> can't believe i did that it it knows it knows humans better than they know themselves not just us not just individual i mean that too but no more awkward encounters how would life be what it is without awkward encounters without surprises well you know it's, it's we, we're like businesses in that way wouldn't it be nice not to be unpleasantly surprised at a party 
as the, as the as the seeker or the heat, so to speak, either one. But we're like businesses in that way. Businesses want predictability. Why? Because the more predictable the world is, the more we can over-optimize our business to make money, to, to, to increase the profit margin by whatever means available. When things are unpredictable, you can't optimize thing. You can't optimize your business or anything else. You can't, you can't, we like predictability, but we also like unpredictability, just in the right proportions that remain mysterious. Not really mysterious. There are people who have written books about this, but I digress. So AI at the party, going to make it better? Maybe it makes it worse. What if we become, what if, what if the AI steers us toward encounters that in retrospect we wish had never happened? Or, the, or we, in retrospect we realize that the AI was steering us toward that one person, that person that seemed so perfect and the situation was so perfect and the AI agreed with me. So I went for it and it worked out and then suddenly it's 10 years later and you start to think, who was in control of that AI? I mean, I just downloaded it or streamed it or used it via the app on my phone or the app on my Google Glass. And they said it was for us. But now look at me. My life is a wreck. My friends' lives are all a wreck. We work hard at our day jobs every day, but it's clear what this AI was doing. It was pairing us off in some economically beneficial way to the company or some obediently obedience beneficial way to the government. I never thought the AI could be at the party. I never thought the AI at the party could be from the government. I never thought that the AI at the party could have been from a company that was controlled by the government, TikTok. So it could be better or worse. AI. What about AI? What if we put AI in that? But you'll notice that, like, by default, we're asking in the future, right? Because we don't think of AI as being here already. But we, we have to start getting used to thinking that way because there's lots of AI that's behind us. Basically, since, I mean, depending on how you define AI, either since the beginning of computer programs or even the beginning of, you know, mechanization or, you know, mechanical automation... But certainly since the 80s and expert systems, some definition of AI has been with us. And it, that means it's... So when we say, what about AI? The perfect example is, is the steering, of, you know, the, the radicalization in the United States by social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What about AI with this radicalization, with the blue and red politics, with Democrats versus Republicans, with the coming civil war, man, with even the... China-U.S. Thucydides trap. Those conflicts create third parties with interests. And those third parties with interests, if they have brains, which they often do, might notice that AI can be used to make someone more extreme. To make them more predictable is to make them more extreme in whatever view that they hold. 
So asking what about AI could mean what about AI six months ago? What about AI in the Trump versus Clinton election? Or in the midterms or in, in all of the divisive internet-based horseshit since, since all that started, whenever it started? Any chance anybody's using a deep learning algorithm at all in their effort to divide the United States or set, I mean, look, you think that no one has an interest in global thermonuclear war, but there are people who do. There are, there are nihilists, there are nut jobs, there are evil, there are evil people out there. And occasionally I think, I'm sure, there are evil geniuses. And you don't need to be a genius to understand AI. You just have to pay attention with an open mind. You certainly don't need to. Be. You might be a, need to be a genius to advance the field. Although, you know, my understanding from the textbook authors, Russell and Norvig, is that there are plenty of opportunities to advance the field. You do not need to be, you know, a super... It's not like physics where it's... You have to be so brilliant to... Because there's no low-hanging low fruit in physics anymore. It's all high-hanging fruit. AI is still where physics was in the, you know, tens and teens of the 1900s, late 1800s, 1900, early 1900s. But there are evil geniuses. And just evil 120s on the IQ. Evil 100s. Prediction machines. Reinforcement algorithms that whose, whose environments are the user's minds and therefore seek to make the environments more predictable by serving them what we would consider terrible content on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. You don't have to be very clever to imagine, to impute, to infuse these basic observations with your evil if you so possess it. What about AI before now? What are, how did we get to where we are now? What role did AI play? Oh man, we haven't defined AI. Shush! We will, or we'll try. But you need to just be loose, because no one has a perfect definition of it. Just use your casual one and go with it, and I'll use my, my casual one. We're not arguing here. We're exploring possibilities. We're playing with ideas. We don't need to agree on a definition at this point. We're not at that stage of specificity where it's necessary or even helpful. Shush. So there's what about AI in the past? What about AI in the future? What about AI in the now? What about, what about AI over there? In the server farm. Or the, or the supercomputer warehouse. What about AI that's running on purpose-built, purpose-designed chips locally on a phone as opposed to remotely and then communicating in a client-server relationship? What if, it's, what if, you, if you build the right chips to do the particular kind of parallel, high-intense matrix math, whatever it is, locally on the user's device so that things can happen more quickly like image processing and whatever you're doing with your or you know natural language processing 
they've already done that. I'm pretty sure all modern phones have, you know, like GPU-style silicon. Google made the Tensor Processing Unit like forever ago. It feels like it was yesterday, but it's just like more than five years ago. But you don't have a TPU on your phone, but you know, stuff like that. Purpose-built AI hardware. What about AI in there, in your phone? The hardware is not the AI. It's the software, right? Well, what does the software run on? Well, the hardware. Oh, okay. Which part's the AI? Well, it's the, both of them together, okay. But what do they what do they need? What are those two things, the hardware and the software? Where are those boundaries? Where do you draw those boundaries? Are the network, are the layers of the network stack part of it? That software and hardware? Is your is your sparkling case, your phone case with sequins, is that part of it? That's where the line that's where we draw the line. The sequence. But everything within the sequence boundary. What we're doing when we talk about AI better, AI, does AI make it better? Does AI make it worse? Or did AI make it better or worse? Is, is AI making it better? Or worse? We're talking about three dimensions of the what about AI question that we can put to the world, put to ourselves, put to each other at parties filled with artificial intelligence. The first dimension is better or worse. Second dimension is space. And the third dimension is time. That, I think, is the correct way to think about what about AI? This, this sort of, you know, um, Daniel Dennett, the philosopher Daniel Dennett, sort of zeroed in on, on Darwin's idea of um, descent by natural selection I think is the correct way to phrase it. Um, evolution by natural selection. Um, he started to think hard about it as philosophers do, and he decided that it was like a universal acid test that you could apply to more and more things, not just the origin of species, but you could apply it to other things. What about AI is certainly not an, a, a question on the level of the answer that Darwin's dangerous idea was and is what about ai is not an idea it's a question but it is sort of like a, an acid test whatever you care about right now <laughs> oh man what do you care about right now if i've got your attention you're probably not thinking about, oh, I don't know, everybody multitasks, everybody gets distracted now. How many notifications? Are you, are you thumbing through something else or doing something, multitasking in the kitchen, getting started, getting the day started, finishing up the day? Let's say all those things are in some sort of distant contact with what you care about. You don't get dressed and go out into the world for no reason. You don't just do it because you're supposed to. Uh, maybe we do. But anyway, let's pretend we don't. Well, what do you care about? AI is going to be all up in that thing's business if it's not already. It's all up in your business. It's all up in my business. If we don't have a way of considering that, 
considering that hyper object that we call AI that no one understands. And I'm telling you, I have looked for someone who understands what, and I don't think anybody has it. I really don't. I really don't. I don't. It's not, and it's not, and it's not shortcomings. It's not because we don't have the intellectual capital up to the task. It's that there, there isn't a quantity of human intellectual capital. Not, not a singular, not in a single mind. We might be able to collectively come to grips with it, but anyway, we're not there yet. We're not even close. The public conversation about AI, even amongst people who spend a lot of time thinking about it, becomes so collapses the waveform into specialization so inevitably and so involuntarily and so inescapably does it collapse into specialization and narrowness. We, we're hunters. We're hunt, most of us are men. Most of the people who find themselves with the free time or the inclination to work on these things, they tend to be men. It's, I'm sure, you know, it's probably 80-20. Maybe it's not that high. But men are generally hunters. Focus, narrow, tunnel, vision, shoot, kill. Women, more of the gatherers. They can see everything at once and keep it all in mind, and I find that difficult. So most of the, what I've seen of the conversations, the various kinds of conversations around what, around what AI is, have collapsed into tunnel vision, specialization, specialty, narrowness. You talk endlessly about, you say more and more detail about less and less thing. That's the trap of specialization. The alternative being, the alternative extreme being generalization, generalism. What I attempt to practice, which is knowing almost nothing, knowing less and less about more and more. It's a trade-off. You know, maybe we need some extremists in both camps. I, I certainly feel like we do not have a lot of extremists in the latter camp, in my camp. I don't know a lot of real generalists. I know a lot of people, who, Renaissance men, Renaissance women, who they know, they seem to know quite a bit about quite a few things, but they're really middle-of-the-road types. They haven't accepted that they really have to move on before they know too much about something because there's way more to know about. It's like sort of, you know, it's like attempting consciousness, but then getting just distracted with your field of view. You know, what you can see, peripheral to peripheral, that's not tunnel vision, right? It's almost 180, it's almost half the room. But what about the other half? Generalists would attempt to have the whole room. Specialists are looking at a laser pointer, and Renaissance people whom we mistake as or mistake for generalists are really middle of the road types. So so says I. So those three dimensions, better or worse, and where in space and time. Life can be <laughs> so good. We're talking about making things better or worse, right? Obviously, the dystopian future where some evil totalitarian whatever gets just enough AI to enslave or oppress the rest of us, but not so much that it takes over the totalitarian entity, human entity itself. 
that's no good. And then, let, you know, let's call that, <sighs> who, who gets that? Well, it's the Terminator movies. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, because then it's the machines. And it's not the Matrix, because it, both of those, the machines become the entity. I don't know. I haven't seen enough movies. What's the What's the AI movie where a bad guy gets the AI, but the AI never gets the bad guy? That's probably too irresistible for Hollywood. They can't ever just let it become a dystopia. But just pretend Joseph Stalin got today's AI, or, or China's today AI, China's surveillance state in the hands of Joseph Stalin, okay? That's what I'm talking about. That's nightmare scenario one or two. Number one might be the machines themselves become so evil in effect or or however you want to describe it that that's the truest nightmare scenario but it can also go the other way the ray kurzweil the honestly stephen pinker like i don't i don't know if he talks about ai but he's such a hopeless optimist <laughs> i have to i have to think of him when i think about the optimistic point of view life can be so good but it can also be so bad Good for whom? Well, we can... I, I, I seriously just think it's just a, a pragmatic question. Like, can we actually make the whole world good for humans? The whole human world good is probably the way to say it. So that no humans are left behind. Let no human left be left behind. Can we do that? I think we can. I think if you can look after your clan, maybe your, your immediate family, your extended family, maybe your neighborhood, you, make, you can look after those people. Not 100% of the time. You can't stop some meteorite coming down, smacking somebody in the head. But in general, barring things that are beyond any animate, sentient entity's control, you can look after a small group. Why can't you make that group bigger? That group used to be big. Before they were what you call humans, they were just agglomerations. Is that a word? Agglomeration? Agglomerations, conglomerates of cells, and then organs, and then however the Cohen's history of life would put the chronology. There's a lot of stuff in a human. That's a big group of billions or trillions of cells. And the cells themselves are so many molecules. Tons of them. Tons is the official number. If we can look after our clan, clans, and get along with all the clans around us, why can't we... Just scale it up. Might take a while. We can eventually look after all of humanity so that there aren't all these exceptions, these horrible exceptions to the good life, to how sweet and awesome life can be. Why can't we scale that up? Well, we're not going to be able to do it with our current means because it's a complicated thing and it's also a laborious thing. Like it's going to involve a lot of work and a lot of, honestly, math and machinery. We can't do all the math. We can't operate all the machinery that would be necessary. And don't tell me we're going to change human nature and we just have to focus on love and meditate and stuff. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. That's a, that's a cop-out. I think the engineers have it. Unfortunately, the engineers also are... They're just as likely to build the technology that will destroy the good life as they are to... Not not advertently, like they don't, they, most of what engineers do makes things better for some small group and, and most of the time inventions and, and, and engineering spread like a good wildfire, let's say. But if you only have to draw one 
black ball from the urn of invention, to borrow Bostrom's analogy or metaphor, then the engineers are just as likely to destroy us as they are to save us, the sons of Martha. The sons of Martha. We can't do all the math. We can't operate all the machinery. We need, we need autonomous machines and computer programs with some, with some autonomy. The other thing is we're just not aware. Like we, 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 so much of what we, the problems we can't, we don't really work on it. We really don't make progress on it. Just, we just can't see the picture that would tell us, that would make it obvious what to do. Yeah, the numbers might be out there buried in some data set, and then someone digs them up and presents them to you, puts it in face. Look, look, these are the numbers. Look at how important these are. But you don't trust that person. Who are you? I don't even know why you came with me. Came to me with these numbers. But AI could, I mean, AI does that. Like, it, it handles lots and lots of numbers really well. And if we can build layers of abstraction and trust those layers to the point where, you know, individual human beings can be confident and convinced that what they're seeing is the big picture of, let's say, the state of poverty or the causes of poverty or the state of malaria or the causes of malaria or the state of, you know, uh, global supply chain logistics or the causes. AI can help with that. We could help us see. AI is really good at seeing in ways that we are not good at seeing. It's good at other things. Other things that go hand in hand and part and parcel with that that might not be good for our designs and our purposes. But there's hope that AI can make things better. And we all know, of course, there's the fear that it's going to make things worse. What is AI? Let me just, this is be quick. I'll just be quick. Because we've 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 taken a few swings at this, and I think we're I think we're we're batting we're batting zero. Do you say batting zero, baseball people? You say batting a thousand, and usually they're batting between two hundred and three hundred, right? <sighs> Physically, this is just this is my best attempt, my my latest best attempt. Physically, artificial intelligence is the algorithms. The hardware, the inventors, and the controllers. So you've got software, hardware, and then the people who invent it. Think of DeepMind. Think of OpenAI, those people. And then you've got the controllers. Think <laughs> anybody who starts using the darn thing. Script kitties on the internet using it if it's published. If it's not published, then you just need someone who knows how to use it to get what they want behind the scenes. So, hardware, software, inventor, controller. Controller is the one that... Hmm, is it more... Is, it, is the controller the greater concern or the hardware and software itself? We'll talk about machines becoming creatures in just a second here. Um, and when we talk about algorithms, we can talk about Turing machines and com computer science and the, the, the theory behind all that, but... I'm not qualified to discuss that, and 
it's not the time or place. We talk about the hardware, sort of like it sort of reduces the cybernetics. We've talked about this being maybe reducible to cybernetics control theory. Think of a windmill. If you just put up a windmill without any control mechanism, any governor, Greek cybernetic means governor, um, Kubernetes, <laughs> um, it's just going to rip itself apart when the wind blows too fast. You need control in a machine. It needs to. It needs to have a feedback and 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 a the and a um and the means to not simply react directly to the environment. It has to react also to some sort of intentionality that was put into the machine before it was put into the wily environment of the wind blowing out on the Oklahoma plains. There might be limits to the cybernetics of it of what AI is physically, the way there might be limits. There definitely are limits to the algorithms, the computer science, the mathematics underlying the software, what can be computed, and in what time, and using what resources. The inventors. Actually, this is the inventor. Are there limits to the inventors? Well, uh, Yudkowsky talks about how if AI, if the inventors of if, if the engineers creating software suddenly become instantiated in the software or somehow gradually m migrate into the software because of the sheer uh, um, uh, what communication speed differences between you know wetware human brain signaling and then hardware just electrons on copper sort of signaling um, things are going to go much faster so if those inventors if the engineers are inside computers so to speak. I know it's kind of hard to picture, but it shouldn't be that hard to imagine, especially these days. He was writing it 10 years, 20 years ago, at least 10 years ago. Um, things speed up a lot. What's the limit to that? He gives a little uh, differential equation, I think, at that point. So there might be limits to what can be invented, but in general, no, we just keep it. We just keep inventing. We keep finding ways to do the things we want. I don't see any. I don't see anything in principle that says that Kurzweil's vision of, you know the universe waking up is is not possible. I don't see anything in principle that, that would dictate that. Are there any, any limits then to the last category, the last of the four, the controllers? People who control... No. No. I don't see any limit to control. I mean, you're just like, you're like the governor in the windmill, right? Um, we've talked about artificial intelligence being prediction machines, Agrawal et al. This is the title of their book sort of the economics of it. We've talked about them being um, machines that change their environments in order to make them more predictable, or at least the reinforcement algorithm-style AI. That idea comes from Russell's human-compatible mind-environment changers, we might call them. They're definitely automators, or they're automation in incarnate. You know, it's all about automating tasks that would otherwise have to be done by, by labor. They're autonomous actors as well. Now we've got a lot of machines that clearly just do their thing for as long as we want them to do their thing. Picture drones circling for long periods of time over, over battlefields. Um, there's lots. Of, we've talked a lot about the autonomous aspect um, of what artificial intelligence is. They're pattern detectors. Obviously, they're really good at we're pattern detectors, too. We're all these things, too, in a sense. Um, even mind environment changers. Go read Robert Greene, 48 Laws of Power. What were the other ones? The War One, Art of Seduction. What else? 
But that 48 laws, yeah, that's, that's mind environment changing, I think, or analogous to it. Okay, those are some things that we might say that's what AI is. Retrace has done one, two, three, four, six, seven, at least trying to figure this out. Retrace number six, we said maybe there are interfaces between goals and environments. Retrace number seven, re seven, we said there are artifacts that absorb goals and become animate. And then retrace number eight, we started talking about them becoming creatures. And that we should really worry when they start reproducing, self-reproducing, communicating autonomously, controlling themselves or each other autonomously, looking for energy sources, looking for anything. All those things are worrisome, almost over and above intelligence itself, if the machines start doing any of those things. That's re retrace number eight. Re-eight. Re-nine. We talked about how they can already see us, that that we're sort of missing the camouflage that would be necessary to hide who we really are in in a world where AI is being applied to the the information that we, uh, that we about ourselves that we put on the internet. That was in retrace number nine. Retrace number ten. We talked about guessing and checking and fighting. This is more about natural intelligence, but artificial intelligence is definitely all wrapped up in guessing the right answers to things and checking them, let's say, fighting. It's all being deployed on military battlefields, or, you know, on battlefields. And then in retrace number 11, we talked about natural intelligence as being travelers and having intentionality. Intelligent things go places. They travel. They don't just move. Is, is AI there yet? If not soon, if not soon. Boston Dynamics, horse and dog and all those things. Are they traveling yet? Not that I've seen, but it's not far away. Finally, in Retrace 22, and this is the last thing we're going to say about what AI is for today. Let's just reread that hypothesis, H12 from Retrace 22. Computers, which are chain reaction controllers and which make AI handling of information possible, and which are inherently vulnerable to hacking, are causing some humans to know others better than they know themselves, and thereby to control them. Though computer-controlled machinery could take control, if the motivation to control, which humans have, were to occur, naturally or by design, in the chain reactions. Got all that? That's a hypothesis about what's going on out there. That's, that was one that was supposed to wrap up. Hypothesis is 1 through 11. All seem to wrap up into 12 from a certain point of view. Chain reaction controllers. Maybe AI is chain reaction controllers. So when we ask the question, what about AI? We're asking better or worse, near or far, here or there, near or far, whatever you want to do with space. Now, later, or in the past. Past, present, future. Better or worse, space and time. Better, space and time. Those three dimensions. That three-dimensional space. And I'm sure there's a fourth dimension, but we don't have it yet. And when you ask, what is AI? Nobody knows. But you can look at it from the physical point of view. You can look at it from the functional point of view. You can look at it from you know, biology versus physics or engineering. There's more to say about this. We'll pick it up tomorrow. 
All references will be in the PDF notes at retrace.com, R-E-T-R-A-I-C-E.com. This has been segment number 50. Same time tomorrow, 11 p.m. That'll be Tuesday night, November 15th. But today is Monday, November 14th. Signing off.